0: Welcome to the Getting More Leads and Sales from Your Website podcast with your host, Dan Kaplan, co founder of Periscope Up. Learn how to increase traffic and conversions from your website. Each episode, Dan interviews a digital marketing leader or practitioner, asking them all the same question. How do you get more leads and sales from a website? Visit periscopeup.com for a free Google Analytics course. Dan's ebook on great website content or to sign up for our email newsletter, filled with succinct, practical marketing tips that will help you get more leads and sales from any website. Hi, everybody.
1: Welcome back to the Getting More Leads and Sales from Your Website podcast. I am your host, Dan Kappel from Periscope Up. And today, really excited to have Austin Wisner. Did I pronounce that right, Austin? That's right. I'm Austin Wisner of The Search Agency. Um, Austin's been in the business for seven years. He is the Senior Account Manager at The Search Agency, which is an international uh, marketing digital marketing agency, full service. And his job is a strategic lead on uh, digital marketing campaigns, and he's an expert in search, both paid and organic. Um, today we're going to be talking about how to use organic in uh, obtaining more leads for your website, but we're also going to be talking about this perennial question of is SEO dead? Austin and I are, both have strong opinions that it is not dead, and we're going we're to be telling you all about why we think that is. Um, But before we begin, Austin, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, give us some of your background, and how did you get into the world of search?
2: Yeah, I think you did a nice job teaming me up, so thanks for that. But I think it's funny, I, like everybody else in this industry, it seems, thought I was going to be something else and then found my way in. So I thought I was going to be an attorney, actually. Got my first job out of school working for a small firm here. And one of my first jobs was doing research for the company. And helping some of the managing partners post that information on the website. So that's where the bug bit me. You could learn, boy, I can write this great content and even figure out how my users and my potential clients will be reading and, and enjoying and engaging with this content.
1: Mm-hmm. Great. And I know that that's important to you, which leads us to, to my first question. Um, you know, something that you preach about is matching your content to your users intent.
2: What do you mean by that? Maybe can you give us an example? <clears throat> sure. Yeah, that's absolutely critical, I think, to a good marketing program. I think that's true of, of really anything we do online. We want to make sure that the pieces that we're producing, be it video, blog posts, tweets, whatever it is, or even our website with sales content on it that will drive our leads and our revenue, is hitting the right person at the right time. And a great, like you say, a great rule of thumb is that matching content to intent. So a really good example of that is we recently had a client and they were ranking well from an organic perspective for one of their head terms online education and they ranked well and at phase value that was a win because we were getting traffic from it. But upon further investigation we found that this content just wasn't driving the leads that we wanted and what we found was that though we were ranking for this head term, this high volume term, the landing page that Google had deemed most appropriate was a some sort of small business uh, bachelor's degree. Meanwhile, the client has this litany of programs, this great educational resource, and we're allowing Google to make this one specific program for this huge term. It was making our users bounce and there were no conversions and the engagement was very low. Mm-hmm. So by checking our analytics, including bounce rate, beyond just rank and traffic. We saw that this was the problem and to, once we figured that out, I think it was relatively, air quotes, easy here, to manipulate some of the content, to change the way that our internal links within the site were guiding the engines and the consumers to the right pages at the right time. Uh, And really just understanding our consumer flow and intent and getting them to the right content from that specific. Mm-hmm. intent, Right. I, you know, what I'm hearing you say is that it's
1: not about ranking or it's not about keyword ranking so much as it is about how do people come to my site what are they doing there and how can I use my data to better tweak the site to get them to
2: uh, convert? Is that your approach these days? Completely true. I think that even though SEO for the longest time was, consider the act of stuffing specific keywords into your content so that Google will rank your content. That's the way SEO was always considered, even though that is retired a bit, that frame of mind. Really the goal was always to provide engaging content to a consumer so that they could in turn react with your site, and that's still very, very much alive. Mm -hmm. So uh, looking past that keyword level data, even though a lot of it now isn't even provided to us, Looking past the keyword, past the rank, to are my consumers actually finding my content, and are they enjoying, engaging, and hopefully converting? Right. From
1: yeah. It. So the way I like to explain it is, it's it's website optimization. Yeah. I'm optimizing my website. I'm not optimizing a search engine. I never really understood that term, search engine optimization. But um, to me, it's about optimizing a website towards your goals. Right. So. Um, you said a couple interesting things there about keywords not being provided. and We know that Google Analytics is no longer um, giving us that data. We also know that the Google algorithm itself is making it much more resource-intensive to rank a website and get that organic traffic. And you know, uh, search engine rankings are in fact being personalized. You, you know, Google knows your search history and your Google Plus friends and. It may give you different results than they they give me. Um, it's evolving. It's getting more and more resource intensive to to yep. rank a website. So, you know, we keep hearing this refrain, "SEO is dead." Um, I know you don't believe that. Maybe the definitions are changing. But what do you say to
2: people who say, "Oh, SEO is dead"? Uh, yeah, I think you brought up a lot of really interesting questions there. So. To start at the top, SEO is definitely not dead. I think the folks who make that argument are in turn asking us to make the assumption that organic traffic is dead. And that is definitely not the case. Search is alive, well, strong and growing. And consumers are every day increasing the amount of searches, the number of searches, the sheer sheer volume of searches being done grows every single day. So if you want to enjoy that traffic for your own website, then SEO is the key for you and whether that's website optimization as you brought up, but making sure that your website is providing information to consumers via all the ways they can get it mm-hmm. is very, very alive and very, very thriving.
1: Yeah. So you spoke of organic as a, as a channel, really. Um, you know, we know that visitors come to a website multiple times before they convert. How do you, how do you with your clients, sort of approach this channel of search, uh, you know, search as a channel? when you line it up with your, your, your uh, social media channel and your, maybe your, your, uh, your paid search channel or your banner advertising channel, tell us a little bit about your approach to or, um, organic traffic as a channel. That you know, how, how does it fit into the big picture?
2: You brought up a one. couple good points. So you mentioned keyword, and I'll get to your point about social. I think it all ties together really nicely. You brought up that keyword's no longer provided. Uh, It's unfortunate that we're missing that one tool that we used to have that said, okay your consumers are typing this specific keyword, but it was only that. It was a tool. It was a means to get to an ends and the ends were always making sure that your content was being found. Mm -hmm. So with this, helping your content to be found, organic is very much a channel that leads into that specific objective. And as organic being a channel, you lose the tool and the mindset of, okay, this keyword ranks for this page, this keyword has this much traffic, and I can make a hierarchy of my pages to make sure I hit all of these keywords. That method of thinking, I think, is, is retiring. And I think that's what is leading a lot of folks to say SEO is dead. But you know, if that's the methodology that you're adopting, you're going to be missing a lot of really valuable traffic. So thinking of SEO as a channel. Google is still looking at your site, your brand, your domain, and your off-site linking and your off-site authority metrics to in turn rank your content. So it might be that you lose that keyword level data but Google is still looking at all the ways that you are pushing your content, making your content valuable, and how your consumers react with it. So uh, an example you brought up was social. I think that's a perfect example. Uh, Years ago it was that if I could get X number of links to Y number of pages, I could assume that Google would rank me more authoritatively. But now there are so many different ways for users to engage with content that Google and other search engines aren't just looking at links or your specific keyword density on a page, looking at the number of times that it was tweeted, number of times that it was shared offline, not just from your site, but number of times that users shared it between themselves off-site, the amount of buzz around your brand, mm-hmm. uh, the mentions you get, the Twitters, the the Instagram shares, Facebook, everything. Google is looking at all these metrics to try to piece together what is this brand, this domain doing? Is it an authoritative brand that I've seen it a lot of places offline? Is it a relevant brand that I've seen consumers that I feel would match this brand actually engaging with that brand? Mm-hmm. or Are there just, other words, I think Google is going to be looking at your offline sharing and saying, okay, this is either just sharing for the sake of sharing or this is actually really engaging content Mm -hmm. that is being shared and amplified to a targeted group of consumers. Yeah, I think that's where this channel strength really comes in.
1: And we're going to talk about what makes content engaging in a minute, but, um, you, you use the word authoritative a couple of times. I want to dive into that a little bit because, you know, one of the things that we're seeing in the world of search is that the big companies that have the big budgets to produce a ton of really good quality content and have, you know, big machines to push this content out to many different channels, they're getting a lot of the traffic from Google, um, what are your thoughts on how the little guy can compete? well I guess the first question is you know is Google does Google have a bias towards the big brands and secondly, if not, if the little guy can you know the regional or the local business can still compete in Google how give us some some understanding of how, how you know how can we go up against the you know, the Amazons and the Walmarts and the targets yeah. of the world that have tons of you know, bloggers and
2: resources to right. work with. You remember when Google Instant first came out and everyone was speculating. When I type this letter, this first brand pops up, which led a lot of bloggers and, and speculators to say Google is now really favoring big brands over mm-hmm. either off-brand content or networks or blogs or things that are not big brand centric. And I think that that may be more of an outcome than a specific tactic from Google. So we mentioned authority, and it's that a lot of these big sites are doing branding and site authority well, that makes them rank. Not that Google says, okay, you're a big brand, mm-hmm. I'm going to rank you as such. So learning what they're doing is a tactic that we can employ across all shapes and sizes of websites. They're engaging with their target consumer in an effective way, and that's what is the ranking signal to Google to say, okay, this is an authoritative brand. This is a site and it's pages within that I really want to rank well, and in turn, people will start saying Google is favoring authoritative brands, not just big brands. Mm -hmm. So what I'm hearing you say is we can adopt some of the techniques of
1: the big guys. We can compete with them. Uh, how do we do that if we're not you know if we don't have a big budget we're, we're you know we're more regional local uh, is it through having a niche is it through having a great you know uh, a, a, ra- a raving raving fan base uh, that shares our stuff a lot is it you know through influencer marketing you know getting people in our industry to tweet or, or, or link to us about you know talk about us
0: yeah
1: how, what are what are ways you know,
2: you know how how do we go about this. No, I think that's a really good point because it's not just about the quantity of anything anymore. So back in the day, it could be that we said, okay, this keyword has such and such a quantity of searches. I want to make sure I rank for that. Uh, But now it's going to be about quality, both of your content, of how you understand your consumer and the content that you're creating. Mm -hmm. So my advice would be don't just go after the buzzwords, keywords pieces of online information that you think will garner the most support for your brand. Understand who your consumer is, what it is that they want, and provide this quality content and a quality experience for the consumer. Because the more your consumer gets out of your content, the more the search engines will understand, boy, this is a really authoritative brand website. I can see from my metrics, I as an engine, what Mm -hmm. The consumers are doing with this content. They're enjoying it. They're engaging with it. And I'm going to rank this brand higher as a result. So go for the things that your consumers want. Understand your consumer and not just what the most volume is going to get for your site. Mm. All right. Great.
1: Um, Good advice. Sage advice. Take us a step farther. Let's dive down a little bit deeper into that. How do I determine what my users want? How do I know if a piece of content is successful? Give me some nuts
2: and bolts here. Yeah, so starting is always the hardest, right? So figuring out what to create is going to take you as the business owner, marketer, strategic thinker, knowing your vertical best. And I think that's what a lot of the strengths of these podcast listeners have. They know their industry. So you're going to want to figure out what your consumers want from talking to them on the phone, from how they're engaging with existing pieces of content, etc. And then extrapolating that information out to other pieces of content, writing content not just from what the highest search volume or trending topic is on Google, but actually what your consumers need and what will in turn drive you revenue. Go figure. Ask them, right? (laughs) And then once you have that, you can measure specifically from great tools like Webmaster tools, analytics, and pieces of online data to see, okay, what is my consumer actually doing when they get to this content? Is it ranking? Yes or no? That's a great thing to know. But the really important thing to know is, are consumers staying on this page? Is this content visited more or less frequently than the rest of my site average? Is the bounce rate higher or lower than my Mm -hmm. site average? Mm -hmm. Is it being shared? You know, you can easily track the number of Facebook likes, uh, retweets. Shares, email signups, a lot of those great micro conversions—not just revenue, but are consumers staying with this content for an extended period of time? Figure out the ones that people do like and the ones they don't, and build on the ones they do like. Mm-hmm. So now
1: that I know what my consumers want, and I sort of have a good sense of how to track it, what um, yeah, tell me, talk to me about frequency. I mean, how often should I be blogging and tweeting?
2: That's a really good question because it used to be that we could say, okay, as long as you have a piece of content that is XYZ long and it has such and such a keyword density, Google will typically favor that content over others. But we're seeing now with the proliferation of the internet and social networks that Google is looking at everything and other networks and everything from tweets to Facebook posts to Instagram uploads all the way to this big long form content, long articles And we see the search results pages that Google is actually employing to show this content are changing as a result. Everything from tweets being brought in to uh, really rich experiences. So there's no hard and fast rule. Frequency is a ranking factor. Google doesn't want to see really old content. My advice back at the envelope would be a couple times a week if you can come up with that much authoritative, relevant, and engaging content. If you're writing content just because someone told you to write a content piece every day, then the odds of you actually being mm-hmm. hurt by that are a lot greater than you actually being helped by it. We saw that with the Tangler, excuse me, Panda updates that just came out and have been rolling out ever since. Thin content that was content for the sake of being content is being wiped out. So so it's
1: better to have good quality engaging stuff but less of it than content for the sake of content. Just. Just exactly right. Out. Yeah, yeah. A little.
2: So try not to operate on either extreme, where you're posting one piece a year, or two pieces every day, mm-hmm. a couple times a week. If you can have really great, engaging content. Uh-huh. What
1: about length? What about uh, you know, if I'm if I'm trying to put out two pieces a week, you know, that's that's that that can be a challenge. Am I, are you talking about a thousand words each,
2: two hundred fifty words each? Does it matter? That's a really tough question because a lot of times I think that if it is a high frequency output that we're providing and it's got short length, that Google will find that not too um, engaging and invigorating and you've got a risk for being filtered out with these Panda updates that keep coming through. Uh, I won't say that there's a specific length that you want to do, but don't feel like you have to go long just for the sake of keyword stuffing and try to avoid being too, too short with it. Mm -hmm. But the great thing is that we can see that if my short form content on my website is actually engaging, consumers like it, then Google's gonna see that too. And that is something that we as marketers have a control over. We can see that, oh, this piece of content on my site has a favorable bounce rate, has a favorable time on site. Uh, And those are things that we can use to influence how long our consumers want the content to be. We can continue to tweak that as we go forward.
1: Good. All right. Great. All right, Austin. Thank you. This has been great. Can you leave us with uh, one tip? Something that we really, if we're not doing now, we really should. Uh, or, and something that's you know simple enough that our podcast listeners can implement it today and start to get value from it immediately.
2: Yeah. I mean, SEO has always been about executing on the fundamentals, I think. So a great way to know that you're executing correctly is to mine your own data. And the best sources of data for that are Google Analytics, I feel, and Webmaster Tools. Mm -hmm. And Webmaster Tools is such a treasure trove of information. Make sure that you're fully implementing that across your entire site. Make sure it's set up, make sure that you've got everything tagged, and integrate that with your other tracking platform as much as you can. You can pull information from Webmaster Tools into Analytics and see how those two pieces interact together. There's keyword-level data in there. There's query-level data in there. So mine that data and build from that on your piece of content.
1: I I tell you, I I 100% agree. I totally agree. We have, I'm working on a a course, a Google Analytics course that we're putting together. And it's a four-part course. And number two, section two, is all about configuration. And yes, it's a really important point to get that Google Webmaster data integrated into your Google Analytics. All right, Austin, this has been great, really helpful. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how uh, what services you provide and how we can get in touch with you? How we, how can we learn more? Yeah, well,
2: please engage with the search agency online at our blog, thesearchagents.com. We've got pretty frequent updates there. Everyone at the agency contributes blog posts. So you're going to get all sorts of different angles. Uh, we've got webinars and sign-ups that you can do there. Uh, TSA is happy to provide services for paid search, organic, display, social, the whole kit and caboodle. All
1: right. Great. And you on Twitter or are you on uh, – how can we follow you? Yeah. Check me out on Twitter, auwisner.com. All right. Fantastic. Thanks, Austin.
0: Thanks, Dan. Thank you for listening to the Getting More Leads and Sales from Your Website podcast with your host, Dan Kaplan, co-founder of Periscope Up trusted provider of digital marketing services. Periscope Up offers digital marketing services to increase website and campaign performance, including website optimization, pay-per-click and banner advertising, content marketing, HubSpot and marketing automation, and of course, Google Analytics. Visit periscopeup.com for a free Google Analytics course, Dan's ebook on great website content, or to sign up for our email newsletter filled with succinct, practical marketing tips that will help you get more leads and sales from any website.